0: Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for how you are working through us right now and in us. Lord, I pray that as we read your word and and work through it, that you would illuminate it to us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that wherever we are right now, that you are present among us to transform us by the power of your word and the gospel. Uh, Lord, I I pray that you would just work uh, through me and through every single person listening and watching. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Welcome to Zion. Uh, My name is Justin, I am the pastor here, and I'm so happy to have you join us today for our service. We are in a series called The Way of Jesus, and I love this series. The reason why I love this is because a lot of Christians, uh, or a lot of people think of Christianity as like, I used to be bad, and then one day something happened, and now I was good. Uh, but that is really not the story of most Christians. Most Christians uh, realize that they, they're you know, they in in a really bad spot and, and they realize that they need something uh, greater than themselves. And so they meet Jesus. And then after that starts a journey of seeing Jesus transform our lives. But a lot of times we just want that overnight quick fix and we don't put in the work that scripture tells us to put in. Uh, we don't put in the the uh, the the thought, the effort, what Jesus uh, calls us to do, which is to be like Him. Scripture constantly tells us, "Be like Him." And so, how do we stop doing all these bad habits and these and these sinful things? And how do we start being obedient, as we learned last week from Dave? How do we start worshiping God, uh, uh, loving God, and loving the things God loves? Well, again, that doesn't happen overnight. We look at Jesus as our model and we say, what did Jesus do? How did Jesus live a perfect life? Well, there's lots of things that Jesus did that we can emulate his life, the way that Jesus lives, the way of Jesus, and we can do those things and see our heart little by little start turning towards God through the power of the Holy Spirit in these practices that we do. It's a beautiful thing. And so we've covered things like silence and solitude. We've covered uh, worship. We've we've covered um, all. I would encourage you if you haven't listened yet, go back and listen to the last few weeks. Uh, we're about in the middle of the series now, and today we are covering uh, community. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about. This is one of the values of our church community, uh, and so I'm really excited to get in. And our text today uh, is going to be in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. It's about a a guy, uh, his name is Zacchaeus, and his encounter with Jesus. And uh, this probably isn't what a lot of people think about when they think about community, but I'll share a little bit why later why I chose this text. But we're going to read from the ESV, the English Standard Version translation, Uh, and we're going to read Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. So it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Any short people in the church? Here we go. There's salvation for you. Verse 4, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So, the reason why I love this passage so much is because when I think about how Zion has been able to capture so much depth and community, a lot of times I think about this passage. I think it holds a lot of the keys that we have seen happen in our church, and I think our our keys to having great community uh, within the church. And so we're going to talk about kind of three things that I see here uh, in the text that we see constantly Uh, throughout all uh, of Jesus's interactions with other people. And as he goes around, there are some of these key factors that we see over and over and over again that are all highlighted here in this text uh, that we're going to talk about. Because, you know, this is all just very typical Jesus-style way of building a community with these habits and truths that that we can glean from today. so Uh, The first thing that I want to talk about, about community that we constantly see from Jesus, is this. Community is attractive. Community is attractive. Uh, Verse 2, it says, And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. We constantly see in Scripture people seeking out Jesus, wanting to be around him, crowds were constantly pressing around him. I think of the other story, not only this story that says the crowd was around him so much so that Zacchaeus. You know, you ever go to a concert and you're tight because you can't see uh, what's happening on the stage because you're short. This is short people problems. Uh, so you got to find a different vantage point uh, so you can go. I know, like nowadays people just like put their iPad up and they can kind of see what's going on, but. This is Zacchaeus. What did he do? He had to find a different vantage point because the crowd was pressing around Jesus. So he went up and climbed the tree. There were constantly people around Jesus. I think of the story of the woman with the issue of blood. It says that people, when she went and touched Jesus's garment and was healed, and Jesus turned around and said, "Who touched me?" The disciples looked at him like, "Dude, are you crazy? Everybody's touching you right now. Like there's a there's literally a crowd mobbing you, and you're asking who touched you." Uh, This was kind of the the life of Jesus. People loved to be around him. People were constantly seeking him out. You know, if you think of the blind beggar, you think he heard that Jesus was coming into town and so he just starts screaming out Jesus's name, son of David, son of David. Like this, this was Jesus's MO. Everybody wanted to be around him. People sought him out, even the people that didn't like him. Sought him out because they wanted to hear what was going on. What was he all about? Uh, you people didn't want to leave uh, Jesus. I, I think of the story of when he fed five thousand. He was the dude was literally in a wilderness. There's no food around, desert land, uh, and here he has five thousand people hungry. Right? If if you're like me, and I'm I'm at a meeting, it's like, all right, when are we leaving for some food? You know, like. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm watching the clock. You know, meetings have a time limit before I start to get hungry. Then I start to get hangry. We talked about when we talked about that, uh, we talked about fasting, right? Uh, there is a time limit. But these people loved being around Jesus so much that they were unconcerned about these things where the disciples were the ones that had to tell Jesus, we got to send these people home. We don't got anything to feed them. Jesus is like, no, no, that's no, cool. I'm about to make a lot of food, you know? Uh, Jesus... People loved to be around Jesus. And, and, be, and that was because the partly because the community that he was forming was incredibly attractive. He was attractive, who he was. Community, good community, Christ-centered community is attractive to other people. When you get Christ-like people uh, together and they are doing Christ-like things, you see this in Acts chapter 2 Where you see this, the early church, the church just started in Acts chapter 2. This is after Jesus ascends, and and people are, 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 are every day, they're learning the scriptures together, they're praying, they're having meals in each other's homes, they're unified, they're caring for one another, they're being generous towards one another. And after all of this, at the end of the passage in Acts chapter two, it says, and the church grew daily. Right? The, the community that we form, Christ-centered people, when we get together, it is incredibly attractive. It, it forms something where if we are being loving towards one another, it is a it is a, a world that the world wants to be a part of. It is a new type of community that we long for. naturally. This is what we were created for. So good community is attractive towards other people. and we see that constantly, in Jesus's life that people were seeking and searching him out. Um, it is it is this innate desire that we have as humans to be connected to people and be connected to people in a in a way that is healthy, that is loving, that is beautiful, that is safe, that we see Jesus providing as we're gonna go on. We're gonna see kinda why this community was so attractive. But Jesus constantly shows how his transformative love for people created this kind of attractive atmosphere of how how he cared for them, how he loved them, how he nurtured them, not only with food but with the word, spiritually, physically. He cared for the people that came around him. And this created an atmosphere that attracted other people that wanted to be a part of them. I mean, imagine a place that you can go to where you will receive healing, whether for physical or emotional wounds and hurts, where a place where you would be loved, a place where you be cared for, a place where you would be nurtured and ministered to. This sounds amazing. This is the community that while Jesus was doing his ministry that he was building, that other people sought out and wanted to be a part. This is a community that was dangerous to the people of power because they knew what true community would do. Everybody would follow it. Everybody would wanna be a part of it. And we see that this is one of the main reasons why the early church did what it did and, and exploded onto the scene of the Roman Empire and began to spread as fast as it did because what was being formed in the church that started with Jesus was so beautiful that when other people looked at it and they saw it, they said i want to be a part of that second thing that we see here is community was mostly over meals in people's homes this is one of my favorite things about jesus and i think it's it's something that has really shaped uh, my life and i've seen also shape the community uh, in the church uh, Jesus constantly went over people's homes for food. And if he wasn't going over people's houses and eating food, then he was probably talking about a parable that had a party or food in it. Think of Jesus's first miracle. He was at a wedding party and he created wine for the party. Like, dude loved to party. Uh, you know, when we talk about Israel and we talk about the commandments of the Old Testament, I feel like we, we really leave out how uh, Israel centered their calendar around certain feasts, which were basically parties. And if you read Deuteronomy, Jesus is saying like, make sure you have a good time. Uh, God, sorry, is saying, make sure you have a good time uh, and make sure nobody is left out from having a good time, that whoever has excess, that you are giving to the ones that are in need. And so when you guys are partying together, Israel, make sure everybody is partying together. Like this, I, I love this about Jesus I love it about the early church. Um, And and we see it right here in verses four, five, and six. What, What is Jesus's response to Zacchaeus when he sees Zacchaeus in the tree? Jesus invites himself over Zacchaeus's house. Total stranger. Never met this guy before. This guy is literally climbing a tree to see him. You know, most people today, it's like you're fanboying fanboying way too hard. I'm not going to see you like I'm going to keep myself at a distance. Jesus sees him in the tree and he says this, or this is the scene that happens in verse four. It says, so Zacchaeus ran on ahead, climbed into the sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry down and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down uh, so he hurried and came down and received Jesus joyfully. This is amazing, uh, again, because they never met. This is a total stranger. Jesus is invited himself over this guy's house. Uh, and I cannot overstate how important this is because when we talk about hospitality in the Bible, a lot of times when we talk about hosting people and having people over, it, it's really we are talking about having our friends over. And a lot of times, hospitality in scripture is not about having friends over. It's about having the stranger over. And so the, the roles are a little bit reversed here. Zacchaeus is actually hosting Jesus. Um, but Jesus is entering into this unknown space. And, and, and how the relationship is developing here is uh, where Jesus is going over to his house uh, and hanging out. And, and historically in that culture, that meant they were gonna share a meal uh, together. Um, and you, know, you don't know, Jesus may have slept over, right? Jesus said he, he was basically homeless. This guy was walking around homeless. He didn't have a, a place to stay. He said, uh, foxes have holes um, and other animals have dens, but the son of man has nowhere to rest his head. Uh, and so Jesus invites himself over Zacchaeus' house, and what does Zacchaeus do? He says, yeah, he hurries. He he makes it fast. He he goes on down, Uh, and, you know, like I said, I can't overstate how important this is because um, not only was this a lost art prior to COVID, but this is going to, I think, be one of the hardest things to recapture uh, as a church post-COVID. You know, as we are uh, walking into this new world where everybody's getting their vaccine and, uh, you know, the the thing about the vaccine is that you may still get COVID, but you're not going to die from it. You're not going to get the severe um, uh, case of it. And so we're walking into this world where we're going to start hanging out again. We're going to start meeting as a in person as a church again very soon. Uh, but we already didn't want people over our house, right? We we wanted to keep an, an air of perfection. A lot of times people coming over our house kind of breaks the air of perfection, the, the Instagram life that we put on or... You know, it's a lot of work to have somebody over, you know, it's a, there's some a mental prep, physical prep, all this stuff. And so now in this world where we have a great excuse to not invite people over, generally people don't want to come over, I think it's going to be even harder for us as a church uh, to recapture this again. And it's, don't get me wrong, it is going to be important that we begin to do this and uh, there, There is a time coming that if we can't do it in person, then we, we are going to have to, because whatever immunocompromised place that we're living in, then we're going to have to learn how to host each other online and in these online spaces, and, and our church is thinking through that. How do we think through hosting people in person again? And how do we think through continuing to care for people online and hosting people online? We have to begin to think about the space. How, How do we enter into each other's lives again in a safe and a sustainable but deeply needed way? We cannot live the way that we've lived the last year for the rest of our life. This can't be a norm. That we take with us. There may be some other norms that we take with us into like working from home. I've been doing that for ten years, and I love it. And a lot of people experienced it for the first time. That I think will be a great norm for a lot of people. A, a lot better uh, kind of work-life balance. Um, you know, if you know how to turn off your computer at five o'clock, I'd leave that kind of caveat. Um, and I've never had a problem doing that, so that's fine. <laughs> that was that was good for me. Uh, so there are some norms that will come, but this is, a, this is something that has become normal, that we have to say we are going to actively begin to fight against this because this is an unhealthy practice that we can live. And you know, I think of this, this practice, uh, one practice Heather and I started thinking about community and kind of really meditating on how Jesus does this over and over again where he's in people's homes with meals and we see the outcome of what happens uh, with these people. Uh, one one practice Heather and I started right away in the church right from the very beginning was inviting people into our home um, or into one of our spaces, people that we have never met before. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, most of you know Johnny and Jenny. Jenny is our kids director. Johnny is one of the leaders. He preached uh, on Palm Sunday. Uh, and although... I remember the first time, I think it was the first week Johnny and Jenny ever came to our church. Uh, the reason why I always remember the first week that they came is because they came on the weekend we were celebrating Heather's birthday. Uh, and that weekend, um, we decided we were going to go to Vesuvio, which is it's a great Italian restaurant on 3rd Avenue. I know some of you throw shade at Vesuvio, but it's, it's okay Uh, I think it's great. It's good Italian food takeout. If you need some good takeout Italian food on Seamless, check them out, you know, support local. Uh, So we were going to go to Vesuvio. They have a lot of seats there, so it wasn't going to be a problem. Uh, And this is Heather's birthday, right? Like usually for a birthday party, you invite your friends, you have a good time. Um, We were going right after service. I think this was either the third or fourth week after we launched Zion. So our church is literally only alive for three or four weeks, complete brand new baby. Uh, and I'm, we meet Johnny and Jenny that Sunday. Uh, I had met Johnny in the past, maybe cursory, um, but we had never had like a real in-depth conversation with each other. And so that Sunday was the first time we met their two daughters, Susanna and Haley, Jenny, uh, met her for the first time, and we were introduced to the family, and we invited them out to Heather's birthday party, uh, which is like, I think it's a little weird <laughs> to do, like, have you ever met somebody in the same day you get invited to their birthday party? What happened? Most of you know, but if you ever have done that, I think I have. that's happened maybe one time for me, and I am that was a great experience for me Uh, and so that happened Uh, we invited them out to the birthday party and what happened after that Um, they became great friends our kids became friends Uh, they started coming over the house we started hanging out I mean look at them now you know, six months later, we hired Jenny to be our Z Kids director. Uh, Johnny and Jenny both became leaders in the church. Now they're helping pioneer the congregational plant in uh, Staten Island. Like this is, that all started because these two strangers with their kids that walked into our church on a Sunday, we had met them and said, we are going to have a hangout. We're going to invite you into that space to hang out. And And that day we became friends. We had a, a great time. We invited these strangers into our life and they were kind enough to open up themselves to actually say yes and to come. It's a, it's a two-way relationship. It, it takes an invitation and it takes somebody to say yes. There's a lot of times I invite and people say no. But when, when you make the invitation and people come, it, it, It's a beautiful thing that happens. And and we saw this became the story over and over again in our church. It, It wasn't just something Heather and I did. It was lots of people started doing this, inviting strangers into our life. It's how community started to form so quickly in our life. Because when you think of like a co-working relationship, usually it takes like a year or two. For you to work with somebody to ever invite them to your birthday party, if you ever invite a coworker to your birthday party. But here we are on day one, inviting somebody into our space, allowing them to intrude into our space so that we can intentionally do what Jesus did, which was build community for people that we did not know, didn't, weren't necessarily our best friends. And, and so this is not a working environment. This is not a usual friendship environment. This is a community that says we are going to be intentional about using our spaces, whatever that space is. Your space could be the coffee shop that you always go to every day when you're working from home, right, or you're you're working remotely. Can you invite somebody to work with you remotely? We all have different spaces. We have favorite restaurants that we go to on certain days. We can invite other people into that space. We have uh, Some of us have our apartments, and we can invite people into our apartments. You know how many times I told people that when they came, like, yo, I got kids, and the place is a wreck, or like, we're just tired, we didn't get to clean up? But so often we want to invite people into a a perfect picture of our life, and that's why we never invite people. But when I invite you over, I'm inviting you into the mess. You know, there are actually a lot of people that came over my house when I first met them and never came back to the church because they saw me and they saw my mess and they saw who I really am. Guess what? That's fine with me. Like, don't come back. If you can't handle who I am as a real person, then maybe this friendship isn't going to last. And that's fine. Like that that is a perspective that I'm confident in myself. That's okay with me. You can come in my house. I'm sure my friends judge me all the time about how messy sometimes our house is. But yo, my point of inviting you over isn't so that I can pretend like I got it all together. My point of inviting you over is so that we can do this messy thing called life together. And if I'm not truthful about what my mess is, you're never gonna be truthful about what your mess is, and we're just gonna be pretending like our lives are perfect when we're both falling apart. That's not real community. That's that's called pseudo-community, or as everybody likes to say, that's being fake. That's, right? That, that pseudo is a fancy way, is a, is, is a, you got a PhD, and you thought of some fancy word to say fake. Pseudo-community is when people get together and they, keep their mask on, they pretend everything is perfect, but true community, real community, is when we can sit down. We can see the true self. We can see truly who you are. How do you live? How do you act towards your kids? How do you act towards your friends? How do you act towards your spouse? How do you act towards the, the people around you? That is real community. And that, when we are inviting, inviting people into our spaces, that should be what we are inviting people into. Not this Instagram, Pinterest perfect world where everybody needs to think we're perfect. No, that's not true. That's, that is a false sense of friendship, false sense of community. The third thing that we see Jesus do here, uh, that we see community was for mission. Verse seven uh, to 10, it says, and when they saw it, this is the crowd, they grumbled. They looking at Zacchaeus like he. Is, they say he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, "Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold." And Jesus said to him, "Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has, Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost." Let me tell you, church, we are not in the business of starting a golf club. We are not in the business of starting some executive group. We are not doing a pay-to-play MLM scheme. We are not doing any of that. Church, what we are doing is we are on mission. And that is most reflected in how we deal with outsiders, how do we deal with the people that the crowds, everybody else, will deem outsiders? I think of how do we welcome, I think, historically in the church, the LGBT community has been seen as outsiders. And it could be perceived as bad to hang out with them. I think today, uh, the police officers could be seen as outsiders. What would it look like to house somebody or to have somebody over and to take that Instagram selfie and say, you are caring for and loving? There are people that will get mad in either scenario. What was Zacchaeus? He was the chief tax collector. Everybody hated tax collectors. They were backstabbers, betrayers. They were part of the systemic injustice that was from the Roman Empire that was happening to the Jewish nation. Yet here Jesus was the chief of these people hanging out with them. Then it says outsiders not only are people who are literal outsiders to society, but outsiders are sinners in the world right? Zacchaeus not only was described as the chief tax collector, but when the crowd looked at him, all they saw was a sinner. How could you hang out with a sinner, right? How do we welcome the unsaved person into our life? right? The unsaved person may have a different moral standard than us. They may talk about sex differently than us. They may talk about relationships. They may talk about their job. They may use different language than we're comfortable with people using in our home or in our life. But guess what? I can tell you, I love when someone curses around me. I love it. I love when I meet someone and, and they go off and they're using all types of language. Why? Because This is the person I wanna hang out with. This is, like I don't wanna be with people that pretend, like Jesus said he didn't come to seek and save the righteous. Who did Jesus come to seek and to save? The lost. So when we invite the sinner, the unsaved person, we are inviting someone that's culturally unlike us. We are inviting someone that has different moral standards, uh, uh, um, different uh, perspectives on the world and on life, and guess what? Our job is not to convert them to our cultural understanding. Our job is to proclaim the word of Jesus to them, to care for them, to love them. Our community, our church community, is not formed to protect us from outsiders, but to welcome the outsider among us for salvation. A lot of people think of their church community as protection against the world. That is wrong, that is False, we are not creating a community to insulate ourselves from the world outside around us. Our community is created so that the world outside has a safe place to come in and receive salvation. What does Jesus say when he looks at them? He says, salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, the chief robber among the people, this is legal robbery that he was doing enforced by the Roman Empire, What does he say? He says, I'm gonna give away 50% of everything I have. Forget about the tithe, everybody's complaining about 10%. Zacchaeus says, I'm gonna give away 50% of everything I own. and Everybody I defrauded, I give them four times over, which is 300%, I believe, if I remember correctly, more than what the Old Testament had told people to give back to people that you defrauded. Jesus' simple response to invite himself over Zacchaeus' house have hang out with Zacchaeus and his family brought salvation to that house have you ever thought about how a simple invitation to somebody coming over your house or simply accepting an invitation to go to somebody else's house can bring salvation to that place when Jesus sends out the 12 apostles what does he say he says go proclaim and if people don't accept you into their house brush the dust off your feet you know go like this you're good but if they do they do accept you, you bring salvation with you. Where you walk, you bring the peace of Christ with you. This simple response of Zacchaeus, can I come over? That saves an entire family. Good community is always on mission. I think of Jonathan in our church. Uh, Jonathan Rodriguez, barista at, at Blend that got saved. Uh, I, I I believe from my perspective I don't know what Jonathan would say to this but from my perspective I think he would agree with me in a lot of respects our relationship changed because one night he invited me to celebrate something uh, with him and uh, to be honest I didn't want to go anybody that knows me I don't like going out at night um, but I had felt like God wants to work in Jonathan's life. So I said yes to go out to this celebration with him. It was a significant moment in his life. So I went out, his whole family was there, friends were there, meeting everybody, ready to go home. I actually started walking home. uh, And three blocks away, God put on my heart, go back and ask Jonathan to go out to dinner with you. And I thought, God, this is, a, this is a celebration. He's with his friends, with his family, like they're probably going to go take him out. He has things to do. I want to go home, I want to go to sleep. you know I got, I got kids, Lord, you know what it's like, you know what I'm saying. Uh, and I started going through all the excuses, but I just felt God say no, go back and go take him out to dinner, treat him. And so I you know was like, fine, rolling my eyes like some dumb little kid. <laughs> and I, I go back and I was like, yo Jonathan, you want to go out to dinner? Uh, he was like, he said, yes okay so we go out to dinner and we talked for hours uh and that was the for me uh and I believe for him as well just kind of the turning point in our relationship uh, that really began to open up us to be able to talk about the more meaningful and deep things in life uh that and and a lot of we saw a lot of people do this in his life and that eventually led to him coming to Christ See the and and ultimately now I can't get rid of him. So Jonathan, if you're watching this, you're probably in my house right now, uh, <laughs> sitting next to me <laughs> as I say this. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. You know these uh, these things that we see community uh, how Jesus typically walked out community um, are are good. But I think we need to go one step further to finish this out today, and that is. To look at what is around us and what what we see unhealthy community being like, because I think the truth is people love to fantasize about community, but they when we fantasize about community, I, I have noticed that we either rarely engage in it and it's just like a beautiful thought for some time in the future, or we fall into unhealthy extremes of it uh, that are actually very damaging to us, and so. I was thinking about each of those examples and first start I think I started thinking about is this unhealthy example. I watched, I encourage you watch this, there was a a documentary on Hulu on WeWork that came out uh, recently and this is one of the most fascinating documentaries that you'll probably watch uh, in a while. This was a good example of unhealthy community. So I want to compare and contrast what Jesus' community looks like compared to what we see in this WeWork community, which was really they were creating a cult. Um, and, and, And this is important because a lot of times I've seen churches become cults, and that is not what Jesus is inviting us to. Uh, Jesus has a very healthy way for us to do community. And so WeWork, I would say, is an example of extreme community, people longing for something more, and they are willing to go to extreme lengths to obtain it, and ultimately, they will find themselves unsatisfied. So the, the first thing that you see, there's this guy in the documentary that he talks about how he had his business at WeWork, and then WeWork started this thing called WeLive, Live and it was where they were inviting everybody to live together in like a WeWork shared community, and and he was brought into that, uh, and he he talks about kind of what happened. One of the things that he labels is being in that community isolated him from everybody in the world. Uh, He said it was really weird that if you were to go out that you were to leave the building when you went out, that if anybody said they were going somewhere, Everybody else would ask you, like, what floor are you going to? Because nobody ever left. They would have their parties their their birthday parties there, their celebrations there. And when other people would come in from the outside, they found it very strange and, and, and odd, like, what is going on? And he said that whenever someone came from the outside, they never came back and they most likely stopped talking to each other. Uh, and really what happened was they created an isolated community and, and he was describing losing friendships. Uh, that this community had no time for outsiders to come in, uh, and everybody that was there isolated themselves within this community and lost contact with the outside world. This is incredibly unhealthy. You were um, always with this group of people and nobody from the outside uh, could come in. So on, on the other hand, we, we have uh, Jesus, who has a very different view of community, If you look at at WeWork, there was was four things that this guy said that they did. They isolated themselves. They were always on. Like, you woke up, you were with people. You went to sleep, you were with people. There was a communal living room. There was like, everybody was always with each other. There was never off time. They were always together. Everything was always happening. They were always feeding off of each other. They were working together, hanging out together. Um, You know, you said they were all single, so they're sleeping together. All of this stuff, they were all in this Singular community. They were building centric, right? It was all focused on this one place, this one building, this uh, one physical location. Everything was about that, and they were closed off. Uh, nobody really was welcome, and if they ever came, then uh, they felt strange. They left, and they never came back. That—that that is the type of community that they were building. This is a cult. This is a cult that. If, if this is forming in your life, this is unhealthy, this is not good. Jesus, on the other hand, balanced community, says there is room for solitude. We talked about that a few weeks ago. There is room for you to be alone, uh, for you to get away. There is room for rest. You don't always have to be on. There is a time for you to be away from everybody, to recuperate, to, to, to build back, to replenish. There is room for rest. Right? Jesus' community was mainly outside the temple. We see him constantly being in people's homes, in the streets, and in parties. It wasn't in a physical location that was centric. It was spread out around lots of different places and lots of different homes, streets, and parties. In Jesus' community, outsiders were welcomed. They were always able to come in. They never felt weird. They never felt ostracized. They didn't feel judged. They felt welcomed, loved, cared for. That is balanced community verse extremely cultish community. Then you look at the other side of that where these people and we work were giving their entire life everything, the other side of that is statistics say we are the loneliest generation that ever lived right now. And so if you look at isolation is an unhealthy version of community that a lot of us live in, which is no community. We live in isolation. We are never on our, we are comfort-centric, so anything that leaves my comfort zone is not going to happen. My center is around comfort, and we are closed off to the world. I'm not letting people into the bubble because that is uncomfortable. And, and what's interesting is a lot of extreme community, cult community, and a lot of uh, lonely community, isolated communities is very much the same. There's slight differences. Instead of being... Um, Always on, you're never on. I would say that's that's the biggest difference. But you have this isolation. You're not a, you're not seeing anybody. You're not letting anybody in. You're never on. You're just you're always kind of couch potato in your house or doing what you want. Everything is about your comfort. Anything that can penetrate that isn't going to work. And then you are closed off. People aren't allowed to enter, right? Jesus's healthy community says this. There is a balance of solitude and people. There is uh, there is community and there is solitude there is a balance of rest and exertion so we rest when it is appropriate we work or we exert ourselves it's not a never on type of thing it is sometimes we're not on sometimes we are on the where isolation is comfort centric we look at jesus his community was sacrificial he constantly gave i mean this dude didn't even have a house like that that was crazy sacrifice um but He sacrificed what people thought about him. There was was a sacrificial understanding of what community looked like. And in isolation, we are closed off to the world. Again, Jesus, it was outsider's welcome. This was part of what sacrificial community looks like for him. There was a constant welcome of the other that was able to come in. Nobody, you know, if somebody walks into your friend's group and they feel like the odd man out, they feel weird, they feel singular, that is an, an... In my opinion, that is an unhealthy, unchristian-like community. But if an outsider walks in, they feel loved, cared for and it leads them to salvation, that is a healthy Christian community. And the thing about this, when we look at these examples, I think a lot of us fall into, uh, a lot of us have been part of cults. I know our church, so I know a lot of us come from places that were very cult-like. Uh, And then generally in our culture today, we subscribe to the lonely generation that loves to fantasize a lot about community, but will not walk into it. So it's easy for us to fall into one of these modes, be extreme one way or the other, but Jesus calls us to a balanced, healthy view of community to walk in. And the thing about getting here is it's not an overnight shift. It doesn't happen tomorrow or the next day. I mean, this took Heather and I specifically took, a, took us years uh, to get to a place where we were comfortable uh, to allow people to see the real us and then invite people into that world and start developing friendships. You know, I think uh, a lot of statistics say you don't develop new friends in your adult life. Uh, and that's because a lot of us just have unhealthy views of relationships. I think one of the most beautiful things I've seen about our church is all the new friendships adults have created here. Um, so I want to leave you with this, some practical tips. What can you do, everyday practices, uh, to start building healthy community? So I'll give you one. Text someone you haven't seen in a while and see how they have been doing as we emerge from the pandemic. Simple thing, takes 10 seconds of your time. Text someone, say, oh, Yo, how you been? I haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, what's been going on in your life. Strike up a conversation. you will be amazed at how meaningful that can mean to somebody. Another thing you can do. Uh, next time we meet in person as a church, May 9th, we're going to start meeting in person, announcement to come after service. so stay tuned. Um, if if next time we meet in person, look for somebody that you've never met before, someone that's sitting alone um, and and introduce yourself. you know, maybe in the past we'd give them a hug and a kiss on the tree, we'd, don't be doing that anymore, but you can still introduce yourself. See, you know, how do they hear about the church? Um, where, where do they live? Strike up a conversation. It goes a long way. I, I always think of Sunday service as first day of school. First day of school, everybody's nervous and everybody wants to make a new friend, but nobody's willing to make that first step except for like that one or two people uh, that have the company. We can all, every Sunday is like first day of school. Any new person that's there is nervous, may not say hi, but they wanna make a new friend. Another thing, if you have children that attend school right now, strike up a conversation with another parent in the schoolyard as you're waiting for your kids to come out. It's a great way to start building an an easy relationship right there. If you work from home, find a local coffee shop. Go there the same time, every single week. Uh, And what you will find is that the same people People are creatures of habit. We'll go that same time, same day. And you can start after you see them after a while, start to strike up conversation. Talk to them, at, see natural segues and build community that way. If you're part of a house church, text your house church. Ask, what are you guys doing this week? Anybody want to hang out? That could be a virtual hangout, could be going outdoor to a restaurant, whatever it is. But just text, see what's going on. If you have something that you want to do, you can text the house church and say, yo, I'm gonna do this. Does anybody wanna come and do it with me? That's a great way. You're not creating a new event. You are just inviting people into what you're already doing. Last thing I'll say is if you are doing some, if you wanna do something and you have no one to do it with, go on the app, app.zion.nyc. Post on there and say, yeah, I'm gonna be doing this on this day. Anybody wanna come? An easy way to make new friends in the church. There are lots of small ways you can start to implement healthy community today in your life. And the best part, I think, about this is that we have a safe place to do this in, and that's our church. And so we can go in and say, we can start making these changes, these small changes tomorrow, start building these new habits, and we're doing it in a safe environment that's healthy, that will lead us deeper and deeper into Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the ways that you teach us uh, from just your lifestyle and your habits about building and forming community with others. And I pray that you would help us walk away with an understanding of how to do this in a healthy way and that you would convict us of the unhealthy perspectives and ways that we have done this in the past so that we can walk in a healthy, sustaining, light way that you have called us to walk. God, not in a way that is burdensome or or. Um, heavy on us, but in a way that brings true satisfaction in you to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.